Shut up and sit down. By all means, go for it. Have fun. Just leave me alone. People are coming together more and more and more and more as the government has been failing us more and more. I'm against being shitty to people. You can't research your way into understanding somebody. One way or another, I'd rather have the fight now. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fight for Liberty show. Uh, today, we are going to be joined by an awesome guest who's really good at blowing things up. Uh, but first, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about our awesome sponsors who you should already know about because I talk about them every episode. Nug of Knowledge, Premium Cannabis. They're an awesome, completely natural CBD, CBG, Delta 8 THC retailer. Uh, you can go onto their website right now. You can use promo code F4L to get 10% off your first purchase. And every purchase at Nug of Knowledge helps this show, helps this network, helps the end the war on drugs, and helps the liberty movement. And it gets you high. So, you know, a bunch of wins there. Uh, can't really go wrong. Today, we are joined by someone who we've seen on the show before or on free speech media before. I got the great pleasure of interviewing him when he actually announced for his gubernatorial race. But the one, the only Mr. Scott Schluter is here. Welcome to the show, Scott. Hey, buddy. Thanks. Good to see you again. You as well. Um, so last time we talked, yeah, you were just announcing. So tell me how... How's it been kind of getting from that point to actually like being in the race? Busy, <laughs> very, very busy, lots of work. Uh, you know, we're just, we've kind of got all the, you know, underlinings done. We got all the behind the scenes stuff done and we're ready to, to kind of hit the ground running as soon as the nomination's over. Nice. Uh, there's still, to my knowledge, not any um, announced opponents in, in our you know primary process, so. Mm -hmm. Pretty much as soon as that's over, we, we are hitting the ground running with, uh, you know, a, a really good ground game. We've got a pretty, pretty great plan in place for that. So pretty excited. When is the when is the primary over? Uh, October 8th. OK, so coming up here pretty soon. Yeah. One of the things I remember we talked about uh, when you announced was how much work you put into the campaign before announcing and i want to i want to touch on that again a little bit because like the the goal of my show is to help inform people on how they can kind of take what the what my guests have done and and go out and do it and i think that's a really important piece of what you did for your campaign was you had a manager you had most of a team you had some fundraising done you had a logo you know you had a bunch of stuff done a long time before you actually announced and that is very unusual especially that and that's not even just a dig on libertarians it's just across the board i see especially on local levels like democrats and republicans doing the same thing so tell me a little bit about like who who was the person that told you like who really talked you into waiting on the announcement and and what were some of the first things that you got done when you decided you were going to run uh that was kind of a a, a group idea, really. Um, every, everybody on the team, as far as in management that was involved, kind of all agreed that we needed to wait until you know we were ready to go completely full bore. Uh, you know, Caitlin, Cloven, Ian Peak, um, Aaron Adams, we all 
kind of decided, you know, I've I've been in this for a while as political director of Illinois for a while. You know, I've seen mm-hmm. campaigns come and go and that that's just really how I felt the best way to go about it was. And, and you know, everybody in my my leadership and management agreed. So that's, that's how we did it. Nice. That's a pretty uh, all star list you just named off there. Those are some pretty good people. They are awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I I was very encouraged when I saw that because, like I said, we see a lot of people that are like, I'm going to run for office. And the first thing they do is they post it on Facebook or they tweet <laughs> about it. And then there's all of this pressure to like start running and you never actually catch up. You never end up actually doing that back end work. I kind of did the same thing with my city council campaign. There was like maybe two or three weeks before me deciding to run and me announcing my race. And all I did was build a website. Like that, that's all, that's really the only background I did. And that's, that's more than some people do, man. I've I've seen it where, you know, you get a couple months before election time and there's not even a Facebook page. So. (laughs) Yeah. Those, those ones are rough. Um, but yeah, I uh, I definitely I was playing catch up the entire time because I was I was already campaigning and people were like, oh, uh, how do I donate to you? And I'm like, well, you can't yet because I don't have. I was yeah. unaware that like especially for New York City campaign finance, it was like you had to do this form and get it approved, and then you could get this thing to start filling out this form and get that approved. So it was like at minimum a two week process that took me about three just to get like a bank account that I could take money in. Uh, Meanwhile, I'm like going to events and trying to canvas and campaign at the same time. It made made no sense. Well, let's backtrack a little bit and uh, tell me about like when you realized that you were actually a libertarian. Oh, man, that's a while ago. You know, I've been I've been doing this for the better part of a decade, probably around eight years or so. Uh, I, the the journey started uh, the same place a lot of people's journey started with with the Dr. Ron Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just some some friends and relatives were sharing uh, Ron Paul videos on Facebook and stuff. Watched a couple of them. Started going down the rabbit hole. Started you know watching more. Uh, started reading you know some different books. Um, got got really into Austrian economics for for a little while and kind of learned, you know, free market economics and stuff. Um, and on my last deployment, my uncle Danny uh, from Mississippi, Danny Bedwell, he sent me an audio book of the law from Bastier, Bastiat, however you want to pronounce mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and uh, I actually was listening to it on audiobook with my headphones in while holding my M16 guarding the gate. So, <laughs> wow, that, that was kind of where where I went full, full in, you know, the, the law just made so much sense. It's such a simple message. And so eloquently put, it was, uh, that was really what kind of made it all click in my brain as far as, you know, the libertarian philosophy and just the philosophy of, of, of humans interacting peacefully with each other. Mm -hmm. I always find it interesting because, you know, most people, you know, we have a journey, but there is still that like that that thing that really made it click with the the right terminology and the right call to action and the right like base philosophy underneath it where we're like all right yeah it's it's really this like i i loved gary johnson and i was a, an active member of the party for 
probably like two or three years before I feel like it actually like clicked where it was like, this is at my core who I am, not just yeah. the political party that I align with. Right. Yeah. I think for me, it, it didn't hurt that I was uh, still in the military and was kind of growing up out of my teenager stage and coming to realize that uh, the United States government didn't really care for me a whole lot. Uh, they didn't really care what happened to me one way or the other is just a number mm -hmm. on a piece of paper, you know, and that uh, same yeah. way for all my brothers and sisters. And that's, that's really a, a hard thing. Once you figure that out, you've got to figure, figure out your way through it. Yeah. And we're seeing right now exactly how much good that all did in the end anyway. Yeah. Uh, that I've, I've talked to a couple of my vet friends over the last few days about just like how, how ridiculous it is like watching the places that they were just you know uh coming up on the news just completely overtaken and you know it was it was as if they were never there right yeah that's that's kind of the same way it was for me yeah i was never in afghanistan i was in iraq mm -hmm. um but i saw i think it was maybe a post on facebook or a news article or something that saw you know fog warrior where i was at uh you know just desolate and everything's you know torn down or worn down and you know no, there's no presence there at all it was just a pretty pretty weird feeling you know conflicted feelings about it even though i fully 1000 percent am glad that we're not over there in the same capacity that we once were mm -hmm. uh, it's still a weird feeling you know yeah yeah i'm curious uh how how you kind of balance that uh that mindset of you know if there's still any like draw to you know almost that that sunken cost fallacy still no. like <laughs> juxtaposed to your libertarian ideals no end all wars end all wars man I'm, I'm i'm tired of seeing my brothers and sisters die for you know for the benefit of of corporate greed amen amen true that so so tell me what was what was your favorite part about making bombs <laughs> uh messing with the new guys yeah messing with the new guys uh you know dropping a live fuse and having somebody hit the side of a ham ammo can with a hammer and everybody running <laughs> that was always a blast <laughs> that's awesome um yeah so so tell me a little bit more about like what exactly what you were doing because that to me is really intriguing Okay, and also, well, I'm going to yeah. take notes for my re remake of the Anarchist Handbook. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'm liquid plumber. No. Uh, you know, I, I a lot of a lot of it was just uh, movement and handling of, of munitions. You know, uh, we would load up the trailers with bombs, take them to the flight line to get loaded up on the jets. Uh, we'd store, maintain, inspect. You know, everything, make sure it was in good condition make sure there wasn't any crystallized dynamite. And if there was, we'd take it out to EOD and we'd all blow it up and have a good time. <laughs> uh, but the, specifically the bombs, you know, bombs, missiles, we'd, we'd assemble them. Uh, you're talking, you know, 500 pound, 2000 pound bombs uh, that we're, that we're building that can, you know, make a big, big hole in things. Uh, Sounds but, like a big one. Yeah. Yeah. 2000 pound bomb. 
that's that's a little bit tough to like really wrap your head around as someone who's like oh fireworks are scary <laughs> i mean you know. um, they're, they're probably about eight to ten feet long with a uh diameter of maybe a foot and a half two feet somewhere in there wow pretty pretty big bombs they they go boom <laughs> Nice. And uh, so how long have you been out? I got out at the end of 2012. Okay. Uh, but I think, yeah, December December 2012 was my six-year mark, and that's I did not re-enlist. Nice. Was, was there any uh, hesitation there, or were you ready to get home? Briefly, only because I was a new father at the time, and, you know, my, my daughter was little. Uh my ex-wife and I were, were going through some troubles and stuff. We were, we were mm. still married at the time. And, you know, it was like I didn't really want to want to throw the family into just kind of the unknown of, of getting out, moving back home and just having to figure it out. Mm. Uh, but I, I just I could not be in anymore. I was, in, you know, um, philosophically, emotionally, mentally, I was I was I was over it. You know, uh, I mean, I had a lot of great time. I've I, met some of the best friends of my entire life and I still talk to them all the time. Uh, mm. But I was just, I was just over it. <laughs> yeah. Now you're fighting the fight in a different way. That's right. I think a better uh, way. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> less, less innocent people getting hurt in this one. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. You know, you have the, the random, like someone misses with a hammer while building yard signs, but you know, that's about the worst <laughs> you get as far as innocent, innocent harm in a campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we did have a guy sprain his angle ankle while, uh, running circles around the Republicans floating a parade, screaming taxation is theft. <laughs> huh? This is the most libertarian sentence I've ever heard. It's like random and unathletic at the same time. I was I, I started running around this like as they're going down the road. So I'm having to double their speed to get around them and then come back around. And uh, a couple guys joined me and one of them sprained his ankle or something, got hurt in some way. And uh, it was great, though. We, we were saying taxation is and we're getting the Republicans to yell theft. Nice. <laughs> we got them to join in with us. So it was fun. That, that it's it is always fun when you can when you can join in. Uh, you have uh, someone who is there for that watching. <laughs> um, we it, it's fun to get the Republicans and the Democrats to join in libertarian chants. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We were at Yalcon and chanting "End the Fed," and they had like done a bunch of other chants earlier that were like it was like USA. Uh, a couple of times, like some just really cringe ones. And I was just like adamantly just like sitting down and ignoring them. And I was uh, talking to my friend Olivia Rondo. Uh, and I was just like, no, I'm just, I refuse to chant USA with a bunch of college Republicans. Uh, <laughs> and then somebody started chanting and the Fed. And I was like, okay, that one I can chant. I'm okay <laughs> with that. I'll go with that one. <laughs> uh, so why, uh, what made you choose to go into the actual like running for office side of politics rather than uh, like party executive stuff? Uh, well, it, it was kind of the reason I joined, uh, I guess sim similar to, you know, how I started off this campaign, really the reason I 
I joined in the back end of things was just to kind of, you know, get my feet wet, figure out what's going on, understand the process a little better so that when I decided to become a candidate, I would be better equipped to do so. And so it was kind of, I don't know, I, apparently I, I like uh, being prepared. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a good thing to be. As an Eagle Scout, I'm always uh, a big fan of preparedness. Yeah, right. Um, so that so candidate has was on your mind the whole time. Uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, it wasn't ever a sure thing I was going to do. It was a thought I had, an idea, and I, I figured, um, you know, I, I figured I could just help out where I could. I, you know, I signed up to be the deputy political director, and then uh, shortly, just to. Like I said, get my feet wet, figure out what I was doing. I had no idea about anything to do with politics other than I was not happy with what I saw, you know. Right. And uh, short, shortly after I volunteered to be um, deputy, the political director resigned and I got thrown into that role having no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and uh, spent the next four, four and a half years figuring it out a little better. Right. That is, this is one thing that you can always be sure of in the Libertarian Party is that if you want a job, you can find it. And, <laughs> That's and for sure. you do not have to be qualified for that job to get it. <laughs> but also, we are not going to pay you for that job. Yeah, yeah ever. right. So, so don't get your hopes up. <laughs> yeah, ask somebody like Caitlin, who's qualified for every job and is terrible at saying no to them. <laughs> oh, trust me. Yeah. Every, every day it's like it's oh I'm, I'm doing this thing for this person today and i'm like but didn't you have like a, a whole like three day long to-do list that you were supposed to do just in this one day already before you took on this other task yep <laughs> it's always a good time and then usually i get dragged into helping but it's fun um yeah it's it's nice to see the there's like a, a generational move up of, you know, the people that came in with Ron Paul and then the people that came in with Gary and the people that came in with Joe um, and like the people that came in with Ron Paul, like yourself are, you know, have served their time and are kind of moving up and shepherding the new people. And like, you know, your campaign is going to be a good example for a bunch of volunteers and, and staffers that how to run a real campaign and how to do it well. And then they can go on and use that information. And it's, it's, yeah. I think we're, we're seeing like a passing of the torch almost. And that's been like a theme we've seen out of the Mises caucus. It's a theme we're seeing out of young Americans for Liberty too. Like they're both kind of running with this, like reigniting the Ron Paul revolution thing. And I just see like a big momentum shift in the party of like a generational split that's working together to like really pass on knowledge and information and make sure that we're not going to reinvent the wheel for a fifth time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I hope so. You know, I, I want to, you know, use, use the way we're running this campaign with, you know, utilizing the voter rolls and, and actual data uh, to do, do targeting uh, targeted, you know, field ops. Um, and, and, and want to make that more of a staple, you know, I mean, we, we've done it in the state, you know, uh, Brian Lambert is, is a brilliant campaign manager and he's done, you know, great work over the years. I mean, he's dude is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we, we just kind of, I don't know, we we're, we're hoping to, to build on everything that everybody else has done before us and, and maybe, you know, leave, leave our mark and, and help out whoever, whoever wants to come later. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> yeah, because there is the that is like the one issue with that dynamic that I just mentioned is that the a lot of the people that came in in 08 and have been doing this since 08 are still kind of stuck in the politics of 08, which is pre-social media uh, and especially like pre-COVID, which has definitely made the virtual and digital marketing even more important and the face-to-face -face, uh, a little bit harder to do. Uh, so it's even, even at, like even at Rev, uh, the Yalcon, there was lots of talk of like, well, go, just go to your local county Republican meeting and make some friends. And then that's how you can get the nomination. And, you know, just like go to farmer's markets. And it's like, I mean, yeah, all that stuff is great. But we also need like a whole other thing that if you're not doing this thing, you have no chance. Right. If you're not using data, if you're not targeting uh, specific voters with specific messages, if you're just like walking down a street, knocking on every door blindly, you're, you're going to lose at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Unless you have, you know, 5 million volunteers. <laughs> right. I mean, if you have the ability to knock on every door in your district, and in your case, in your state, uh, then you have the resources to get that data and do it right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm doing those things as well. You know, I'm, I'm doing the, the, you know, coffee shops or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm going this weekend to eat, uh, a lot of the northern, you know, Chicago area uh, libertarian chapters have a northern Illinois picnic uh, annually. And I'm going up there this weekend, going to, going to grill some food and just kind of talk to people, you know, do my thing. And uh, I, I think it'll be the third or fourth time I've been up there, up, up around Chicago for events. And that's just going to, just going to be building more and more, you know, I, I don't plan on being home very often. That's awesome. That sounds like a good time. Uh, when and where oh, yeah. is that? I can't in, uh, go, but maybe some people watching can. That's in Palatine, Illinois. Okay. That's sounds like a good one. Uh, yeah, I'll be in uh, I'll be in Ohio for their state convention this this weekend with uh, Spike Cohen and Brian Lambert, who you just mentioned, mm -hmm. and uh, I get to meet Ken Molman finally this weekend. Ken, I've Ken's, been in this Ken's party for five years and I've never met Ken Molman, and we're gonna write that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, Ken's Ken's a good guy. I've met him yeah. in uh, at the Tennessee convention. Mm. Man, that one seems to be the convention that all the good stories come out of. Like <laughs> that one, that one was apparently some really fun time that I missed. But we, we all had a good time. We all had a yeah. good time. We, we don't need to go too deeply into right. Into those right, stories. they're not stories for on air. So. <laughs> <laughs> so one of one of the biggest uh, platform planks that that you've mentioned that you've been campaigning on is fixing the pension system in Illinois. Yeah. Uh, you explain to people, first of all, why it's so fucked up and then how on earth you could possibly try to fix that. I mean, the, the important thing to realize is I'm not, I, there's no way for a one term or, or even two term governor to fix it. You can't wave a magic wand and, and get rid of it. You know, we are almost $145 billion uh, in unfunded pension liability. And as that just grows every day, you know, it's, it's, did you say billion? Yes, billion with a B, a capital B. 
<laughs> yeah, when I when I say it's a crisis, it's it's an absolute budgetary crisis. It's it's completely insolvent the way we're going about it right now. Wow, <laughs> that's insane. That's like I'm curious if they have like the second most debt of any government, only to like the U.S. itself. <laughs> <laughs> that that probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't surprise me. Actually, I'm I'm looking right now. I think I'm trying. I cannot remember the the exact number of our debt right now. Yeah, sixty four or excuse me, sixty four billion dollars is how much Illinois is in debt. Uh, it's pretty pretty rough. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and and for some reason we just keep keep electing the the same people to the same places and expecting it to change. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm here to hopefully end that trend. So what did they do wrong? Why why has it gotten that bad just through the pension system? Alone? I mean, they, they made they made promises they can't keep. They uh, continually raised the taxes on on everybody in an effort to tax themselves into prosperity, which, as we all know, is a completely insolvent and impossible way to go about it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, our, our public sector employees are completely being handed empty promises, and. I mean, it's just so so morally and fiscally bankrupt. I, I can't even begin to get into it. Um, it's it's just it's it's unreal. You know, we, we've got uh, and and I, I hate to pick on like you know teachers and public educators, but you know we've got uh, administrators over one school district that are you know retiring and making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in retirement, mm -hmm. in, in taxpayer money. You know, that's that's not not a uh, very good thing. <laughs> yeah. So so what do we do? And uh, obviously we can't solve it completely, but how do we how do we at least stop digging the hole? Yeah, yeah, and that, that's what you have to do. You got to stop digging the hole. And uh, my my plan for that is is basically a three tier approach. It is, you know. Um, trying to phase in a, a private retirement system, 401k, Roth IRA, you know, whatever, uh, try, trying to phase that in. And essentially, your any new hires are only going to be private. They, they can only, they're only offered this private retirement that they can pay into. And uh, for current hires, um, they'll be offered the chance to swap over to this and uh, also having a chance to have a buyout of what they already have in there at a 60% rate. And for people that are already tired, already, you know, receiving their pension benefits, they have the opportunity to either stay where they're at because they signed a contract, they worked all those years, they deserve what they were promised. So they can, they can stay where they're at with what they're doing or, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe they're looking to buy a house, maybe they're looking to build a pole barn and they could really use, you know, just $80,000 in cash right there. And you know they so they could uh, take take an offer for a cash buyout, and and you know I, I think that's really the only way uh, that plan or, or a plan similar is it really the only way that we're going to start even you know stemming the bleeding. Mm -hmm. I mean, you gotta, yeah, have, you have to, to at least stop writing the checks that you can't cash. Right, right. <laughs> Wow, sixty-four billion. That that number does kind of break the brain a little bit, as far as like you know, more than 
<clears throat> more than most cities make in a year, like their entire populations. Uh, I'm curious, uh, like as far as you know, we hear we hear a lot of shit talking about like Illinois, as far as like just corrupt politics, um, but we don't hear about it as much on the list of like financially bankrupt, like or just completely ridiculous. You know, it's usually New York, California, maybe Oregon or Washington. They'll shit on Illinois. Is not usually up on the list, but. That sounds crazier than New York. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what list you're looking at. But <laughs> uh, Illinois is pretty rough, man. We we, we have a, a governor right now and, and really just a, a political climate of command and control governance. You know, they, they want to just write laws about everything and, and tell you how to live your life and mm -hmm. how much money you have to give them and what you can do with your own property. And it's, it's really just completely backwards of every single way it should be right but at least you guys still have the second amendment right sort of <laughs> uh yeah we've got the foid card which is uh you know your your id card with your picture on it that says the state of illinois allows you to purchase a firearm uh and you have you have to apply for that they have to run a background check do all you know all this and that and they routinely um incorrectly deny them whether for for some clerical error they routinely take upwards of a year to get back to you uh with your with your foid card uh you know my dad uh my dad applied for his several years ago and was denied it because the picture he sent with it wasn't the right format or something like that <laughs> it was denied it and couldn't apply again for like another year or something it was it's just ridiculous it's Completely unacceptable, you know. Um, it's the opposite of the Second Amendment. It's like Chicago is one of the the strictest has some of the strictest gun laws in the country, and has some of the the worst violence in the streets. So, if if that worked, I think we'd see at at some point in time we'd see a little bit of a reversal in the trend, and uh, we certainly don't see that happening. Right. And how often are uh, are people who like cr criminals uh, applying for a FOID card versus just like your average everyday citizen? Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. And 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 really, you know what? I think uh, once you once you've served you know served your time, once you get out of prison, uh, and and you are a free human again, you should be absolutely be allowed to own a firearm you you have right uh, done, done the pun the, the court appointed punishment you know supposedly judged by a jury of your peers and I, I think that once once you get out of prison all all rights and freedoms uh that were taken from you should be reinstated 100 percent. couldn't agree more um so that is that is one area where um illinois has kind of been ahead of its class you guys have some pretty good criminal justice reform going through you guys legalize marijuana um kind of <laughs> well we did it, it, it is it's better than we did it's recreationally legal it's just just one of the worst laws attack rates for it are insane mm -hmm. uh you know 
once again, you can't tax yourself into prosperity, but that's what we keep trying to do. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's nuts. You, you have to, you, if you're caught, you know, you, you're still going to get a fine uh, and depending on the amount, possible jail time for if you don't purchase it at an approved dispensary. Uh, you know, it has to be in a dispensary container. You can't put it in your little R2D2 figurine that the top pops up on. Uh, well, that is a shame. <laughs> right? But it, it, it's a bad law, but I mean, it, it's better than sending people to prison for a plant. Right. Yeah, we're going to, I'm going to be working on a Requeed petition in Ohio here in the next. A uh, few months, and it's and we just just got it done in New York. It's insane, like how slow some of these states are being. You know, like I I understand the fact that like Georgia hasn't legalized it yet. Georgia's still in like the 1840s, like socially, uh, right. in in a lot of ways. So like we can just like I it makes sense that they're still way behind the times, but the fact that like. Uh, New York and Pennsylvania and Ohio and Indiana are all still criminalized, like and heavily criminalized in some of those states. Right. Ohio is still really bad, um, and say, actually Pennsylvania is worse. So, I'm. It's a it's a concerning thing that you know even the, we feel like the the weed thing one like culturally we won very, oh, yeah. it's very clear that the majority of america is pro legalizing cannabis and we still just don't have it legalized in even half the country right uh, yeah it's and it's only a matter of time until it is federally and i don't think it's a very long amount of time either and and these states are just holding on to this antiquated thought that it's it's the devil's lettuce it's just ridiculous well, uh, I was, I was working on a uh, like legalization nonprofit last year, and I went home for Christmas, and I was hanging out with my grandparents, and I, you know, just kind of small talk. So, you know, what are you working on? Uh, where have you been? I'm like, oh, I'm out in Colorado, you know, working on this. Uh, like uh, cannabis and, and entheogen legalization nonprofit and like kind of just started to tell them just a brief little bit about like what we're working on and what we're doing. And my grandpa like just launched into this monologue that ended up taking him like 45 minutes to wrap up about <laughs> how um, he started off talking about how, how terrible weed is and how bad of drivers stoners are and then about how bad the roads in Colorado are and that like then tried to like tie them together to be like all the stoners in Colorado are getting into car accidents and dying. And so by trying to legalize weed, I'm assisting in like he tried he tried to basically blame me for car accident deaths in Colorado over the last 40 years. And I'm like, quit being such a dick. What? <laughs> I, I was so lost, dude. Like he did, and I mean, my my grandparents they, they, aren't that old. Like they're they still like have most of their wits about them. Like they're this was a completely serious like rant <laughs> of his. This wasn't some like senile old man rant. This was like a I actually believe that you're killing people. 
a, a lot of people will just jump through hoops and bend over backwards to to hold on to their beliefs, even when they're proven that they're wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And those people have definitely been proven that they're wrong. Like, like weed yeah. has become the fucking god plant that's helping with everything. Like, it's not gonna kill you. Still to this day, after millennia of smoking it still no one's ever died of an overdose ever right right like you might destroy a bag of funyuns but that's about it <laughs> i was going to town on a package of snickerdoodles from the family dollar last night sort of <laughs> really hitting the spot <laughs> uh so what's your what's your game plan for kind of uh, trying at least attempting to give the second amendment back to the people of illinois one year in office uh well as governor there's not a whole lot i can do uh, other than use in, any any bill that comes across my desk that restricts firearm rights further i can veto um i, I can use pardons on, on anybody arrested for nonviolent crimes you know regarding gun possession or whatever um really the the, the crux of it is that the problem is our state constitution uh, article 1 section 22 states subject only to police power the right of the individual citizen to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed now that sounds decent except for that subject only to the police power uh, essentially means your right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed unless we say so and uh, I would I would push legislators uh, from either party, anybody that wants to do it, I, I would push and work with them to try to uh, amend the Illinois Constitution to take that that phrase out. I like that plan. Um, yeah, that's a little that's a weird little caveat. It's like we can't say anything unless we say we can. <laughs> yeah. We can't make it illegal unless we make it illegal. Then it can be illegal. Yeah, so that so they're able to just walk all over it then. Pretty much. And that's why you have void cards and, and everything else. And, yeah, and a terrible concealed carry bill. We we just recently, within the last few years, got a concealed carry bill. And it's 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 pretty rough as well, but at least it's there. <laughs> but um so like before you just couldn't concealed carry it was just straight illegal yeah i think the only uh the only way to do it was you'd have to get like your private investigator's license that you had to carry it in a case which there was some some court case that ruled a fanny pack could be considered a case so you could carry it around in a fanny pack if you nice. were a licensed private investigator nice not that i looked into it at all when i was younger <laughs> I will very much admit that I also looked into a PI license. All, definitely one of the major reasons why I did so. Because you in, in New York to get a concealed carry, you need like a reason. Yeah. Like there's a there's a pretty big list of reasons, but you need one. And so like PI, uh private security, um teachers that work in like kind of iffy areas you know um yeah actually one of my uh one of my youth group leaders growing up was a was a 
high school teacher at uh you know like halfway school you know like not the kids that are not in juvie but were about to be sent there um and so he was usually carrying and one night at youth group we were playing basketball and it just like fell out of his pants like in the middle of a group of like teenage boys that were playing basketball everyone just like froze we're like oh shit what do we do <laughs> like yeah. all, all of us had like shot pistols already at that point in time we're like we're in high school so most of us are actually really fucking good shots by then mm-hmm. um but we still just like for some unknown reason freaked out at the sight of a gun in in like in the real world and not <laughs> in our backyards yeah yeah Probably not a good idea to play basketball while armed. I, yeah, I think so. yeah, no. I mean, even even if it's holstered properly, it seems like there'll be some chafing issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just doesn't sound like a good time all around. Yeah, bad life choice on his part. Um, <laughs> but that, uh, I mean, that goes into the other like big conversation about uh, like gun rights. Is a lot of leftists want to attach gun ownership to like knowledge and understanding kind of the way that we do like driving. Sure. And I understand the logic, especially because we've done that with driving, which I also disagree with. Um, I'll channel my inner Daryl Perry here for a second. Um, But, you know, obviously it's like, you know, the 98% of the country is okay with driver's licenses. They, They get that and they're cool with it. So, them carrying that over into the gun conversation i understand but honestly i think the same thing about both of them that like as long as we have state indoctrination camps that we send our kids to for the first 18 years of their life those are both things that they should just automatically learn sure there's no reason why you have to like stay after school to learn how to drive like that should be in your nine to five yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, as as long as we have, uh, you know, state state schools and everything. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree with that. And some schools do it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think that just depends on the school district and the curriculum or whatever. But uh, yeah, as far as as far as I, I think, you know, your basic, especially in rural areas, a, a, a basic hunter safety course that satisfies the requirements for whatever the state you know, requires should be an optional elective. Mm-hmm. You know, kids should be able to, to opt into that or parents, you know, should be able to say, yeah, I want my kid to take that. Uh, and then same, yeah, same for firearm safety. And, you know, that, that sounds like a pretty cool field trip, high school field trip to me. Like, let's go to the shooting range. Right. That sounds pretty fun. <laughs> I, uh, I was on the shooting team in college and that was like the best day of the week. It's like, all right, guys, hop in the van. We're going shooting. Yeah, it's like yeah. all of your frustrations, all of the anxieties and annoyances of school are just non-existent. You're fully focused on this right now, and you're just shooting things. And it's <laughs> right. fucking great. Right. Oh, sp- speaking of, uh, we are going to have printed up um, copies of just a, your generic FOID card printed up as paper shooting targets. To, to hand out. Nice. <laughs> nice. I love it. I was supposed to go shooting uh, with Spike twice now. There was an event of his where we were supposed to go shooting that I have missed. 
and I'm very sad at this point because I, I haven't actually gone shooting like with with lots of fun cool guns in a while. Like it's just yeah. in my house. We've got some pretty standard ones. I've I've lost all mine. Fucking boats, man. They're just <laughs> they just tip over. They do like I randomly. I just I don't. Um, so, uh, what what else is is on your your major to do list uh, when when you're elected? I mean, obviously the the budget is a big thing. You know, besides just the pension side of it, our our budget is a mess. Our you know our taxation system is a mess. We have the highest um, effective ta tax rate in the nation. Uh, that's you know everything included. We, we have a relatively low income tax. Mm -hmm. uh, but when added to everything else, like, you know, there's a reason it's relatively low because nobody could afford to pay more than we're already paying. Um, you know, uh, as far as my philosophy, on you know, one of the rallying cries of the Revolutionary War was no taxation without representation, right? You know, it's kind of a, a big thing this country was built on. You know, think, think about the morality of this debt that we have accumulated and are accumulating in those terms. You know, we're putting my daughter into debt. We're putting my daughter's unborn children into debt. They are already thousands of dollars into debt decades before they're even born mm -hmm. um, because of our bad policy. And, you know, we, we've got to start fixing it. Like I said, I can't wave a magic wand. I can't just say, you know, poof, the budget or the, the, uh, the debt, debt is gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but I can I can start turning the boat, you know. I can steer the ship in the opposite direction, mm -hmm. and that's what we have to do. We have to lower spending, cut taxes across the board in every situation we can, you know. Uh, and we we have to make sure that the budget is balanced, you know. We we can't just be going out here all crazy, but you know you can do that without spending the crazy amounts of money that we're spending, right? Um, you know. Besides that, uh, you know, you, you've got obviously the governor's response to COVID, which has been a pretty heavy-handed authoritarian approach. Um, you know, not not necessarily based on science, but more based on we're in control and we're going to tell you what to do and just get over it. <laughs> and uh, that's that's certainly not the way to go about it. As I'm sure we both agree. Mm -hmm. um, do you guys have vaccine passports in Illinois? Not yet. Not yet. But uh, thanks to y'all up there, I'm, I'm sure it's on Pritzker's radar and probably mm -hmm. going to be coming down, probably going to be being talked about at the very least before long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's been one of the things that's annoyed me the most over the last few months. It's like we've been talking about vaccine passports. I mean, some of us have been talking about it since like Ju June of May of last year. But right. like especially like basically all year this year, we've been like, all right, this is a thing. They're talking about it. They're going to do it. It's going to be a thing. There's going to be a, a way, uh, like a, a thing that you're going to have to scan to go to the grocery store that's about to be a thing. We've been saying this for like seven, eight months now. And even libertarians are have, have been arguing with me. Like some of my favorite libertarians, the people I love more than any other people in the world, have been arguing with me on this point of like, oh, that's not going to be a thing. Like the Biden administration already said that they're not going to do it. Uh, it's just fear mongering at this point. Like it's not going to be that bad. Yeah, and, it's already and, that bad. 
It's already that bad. And the thing is, it's been that bad in New York for a little while. It hasn't been mandated the way that it's going to be starting next month. Uh, but like, I was in I was in New York City in February, and there were already places like uh, saying that you had to scan the app. Like the app was already there, and they were fucking like testing vans on like every corner and just like signs up everywhere to sign up for the the passport app. That was in February. So like yeah. the people the people in the Midwest that you know don't aren't in quite as much of a commie hellhole as I am that are way too naive about this that think that it can't happen where they are or that it's not going to happen nationally. Right. It's, we're already there. We are. Uh, yeah. It's there. Well, I mean, we aren't, but right. You know, it's, it's, it's on the radar for everybody at this point. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. something that's going to be talked about in, in a lot of places, especially, you know, the more left leaning uh, controlled States are, are going to be looking at that and probably, you know, unless unless we just see a, a massive downtick in in cases, I think they're gonna gonna keep pushing that sort of thing. That's yeah, very very uh, just horrible. It's just horrible. Um, mm. You know, we're, we're, if if Applebee's wants to tell me I can't come in unless I show them uh, proof of a vaccination, fine, I, I will decide whether I want to go to Applebee's or whether I want to show them that I've been vaccinated or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, that, 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 that's between me and Applebee's, right. but government at any level, whether local state, federal, uh, United nations, NATO, the world federation of emu wranglers, uh, <laughs> nobody at any level of government should be able to dictate that in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And now we have like completely like unironic like unironically like this isn't a threat this isn't a conspiracy theory this is like what's written down in the order we are going to have cops in New York City going door to door into restaurants and stores and asking people for their vaccine passports and if they are not vaccinated and they are in one of those places they can be fined or arrested and the business can lose its license get fined like that's that is the world that we live in that's that going is, on right yeah. now that's how you start shootouts man that's how you start a civil war it is especially but new york is unarmed right well new york city doesn't have any fucking guns to shoot out with right and the cops don't go into the neighborhoods where they do <laughs> yeah no, uh, I mean, especially if you try to pull if, if you try to pull a mandate like that in in any kind of southern or rural area, nah, no, no chance that'll work, at least not right now. But that's what they're building towards. I mean, yeah. And by the yeah. way, uh, NSA agents watching this, I am not in any way, shape or form saying that we should have a civil war or shootouts. I'm just saying that that is the. <laughs> That, that, that is the end result if it keeps continuing down the path that we're on. It's not a threat. It is a promise. <laughs> <laughs> it's a prediction. Uh, it's a prediction. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And one of the, one of the crazier things, you know, I, I think uh, something that basically any, any like anti-establishment person in politics can relate to is like that journey of unlearning what you learned in history class 
just like figuring out how much of it was bullshit and how many things they left out and like just so many facts that like oh there was a bomb that went off in new jersey during world war ii because there was like a german like almost suicide bomber and that's why the the torch for the statue of liberty is closed like no one fucking knows that i didn't know that i was like 22 (laughs) when i found that out and i'm a world war ii nerd so really (laughs) it really angers me when i find out these things about world war ii um and another one that I just learned, which is actually the one that pertains to this conversation, uh, there was actually a full battle in England between British soldiers and civilians and African-American soldiers against white American soldiers. Uh, because the uh, like the military elites and pol- the politicians were worried, and this is actually a direct quote from a from a report that the the African American soldiers would be radicalized by their newfound freedom and equality in England because, like, there was no like Jim Crow or segregation or anything like that in Europe at the time, right. but we were still enforcing it here. So to to make sure that we didn't radicalize these people with freedom they actually started enforcing Jim Crow laws on the American uh, soldiers in Europe. So they were actually like harass and find and like, you know, like go in and make sure that there were no like blacks mingling with white people in the towns that they were in. Uh, And one town basically said, fuck you. And they were like, all right, we'll segregate. And they just like put up signs that said like uh, black soldiers only. Um, so they just like basically started segregating against the white American soldiers and the MPs until it escalated into like a little skirmish at one bar. Uh, and then they literally called in the backup of a tank at which time all of the black soldiers like ran to the armory and got strapped. Cause they were like, all right, I guess we're, I guess we're going down. <laughs> British people did the same as well as the civilians in the town. And there was like an all night shootout between the American MPs and these people that were fighting against racism in the middle of World War II. As you, I I didn't remember it at first. As you were telling it, I I remember hearing that or reading that at one point in time. It's just crazy. (laughs) I I like just found that out. Like uh, actually a couple days after our, our not episode (laughs) a couple weeks ago. Um, (laughs) But Yeah. So like, you know, to your point, like that's what happens when you start like really trying to overly enforce laws that people are just like, no, fuck you. There you, you either have to step up and enforce it like with guns and you have to be ready for the people to defend with guns. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not to the point of taking up arms and I'm, I'm already to the point of, yeah, you're not, I'm I'm just going to ignore everything you say. I, Mm -hmm. I'm going to live my life the way they, the way I want to. And I think you should be able to do the same. That's really the whole point of all of this. You know, you should be free to live however you want. I should be free to live however I want. And if those two uh, competing, you know, philosophies run into each other, that's where we get a, you know, a group of people that we decide on to mediate in that problem, you know, in a set of laws that we write down on a notebook paper or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's really no need for this overreaching authoritarian just you know 
the hammer fist uh, type of governance that we have. Yeah, you're about to say hammer and sickle. I know it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think we can we can really like take a page out of their playbook on that one though, because I think the correct uh, like step before taking up arms, because like you said, I'm I'm with you. I don't I'm not really in the mood to have a shootout anytime soon. Like that's not no. on my to do list. Uh, but Definitely what you do before that is is just like a a coordinated fuck you effort of you know using the freedom of association to the op in the opposite direction you say all right this is this is like a non-vax only bar or whatever you know this is a a covid mandate free zone whatever just put up arbitrary fucking signs the way that they put up gun-free zones like it's going to stop an armed robber <laughs> so let like we just put up like covid mandate free zone signs yeah. on on businesses everywhere and like if you want to try to fucking enforce it we're not going to pay your fine you're going to have to enforce this with a gun yeah and that's that's when we'll def <clears throat> like like you just have to put either push them to give up or or cross that line and that's that's when you also cross that line in my opinion it's when they show right. up with guns and i don't want to get to that line i, I right you know i want to start getting further and further away from that line instead of closer yeah i'm a little bit of a doomertarian sometimes so you know. <laughs> man i yeah i have been too like i i wouldn't be super upset if like we got invaded by aliens and i just got to shoot a bunch of aliens like <laughs> yeah definitely I've, I've really thought a lot about the like how everyone's mindset on the planet would have to shift almost instantaneously when we get invaded by aliens because like right now you know there's a bunch of like racism or, or more than racism is like nationalism and like xenophobia is a yeah. much i think bigger problem uh it's all based on like different shades of the same fucking skin and different pieces of the same fucking earth where like once we get invaded by aliens it's like oh shit no we're all the fucking same like everyone's gonna realize <laughs> finally like all at once simultaneously like oh nope these are our friends the people on the other side of that imaginary line still look like this they only have one head and two arms and they're not <laughs> shooting me with lasers so therefore they're my friends right right <laughs> And oh man I, I think an alien invasion could be the most unifying thing to happen to the human race <laughs> yeah yeah just a prediction very, I'm very glad, serious I'm, I'm glad we ended on aliens mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah very serious you know gubernatorial race conversation about how to start your campaign correctly and have a good platform and unite through alien invasions and everybody learn how to grow your own vegetables and purify your own water. <laughs> True that. Um, go ahead and uh, like tell people how they can get involved in your campaign, how they can donate, how they can find you, all that stuff. Yeah, uh, my website is www.scottsluter.com. Uh, you can go on there and look over my entire platform. Uh, there, you can contact us through the through the website, or you can go get on Facebook. You know, I'm on Facebook as Scott Sluter. Uh, Twitter, there, scrolling at the bottom, Scott for Liberty. You can search for me on Instagram. I'm, you know, all the major major uh, social media platforms. Um, really, 
what I need now more than anything else, I need to print banners. I need to print, you know, uh, literature, yard signs. Uh, we need to really start getting all of our materials and swag in place uh, to be able to do, you know, all of these field op things that we're talking about doing, to be able to do this this ground game that, that we keep talking up. Uh, and, you know, I, I need donations, guys. I, I really need... Uh, I need, you know, 20, 50, 100 bucks, whatever you can spare. Uh, go to my website and, and hit it in there on the donate button and you will see a uh, breathtaking and groundbreaking uh, campaign in Illinois. All right. You heard him, guys. Go to scotchstuder.com, donate a bunch of money, just drain your account, uh, put it all into Scott's campaign because it's going to be worth it. Um, and none of, none of those funds will go to the United Federation of Emu Wranglers. None. Maybe like $2, but that's it. We <laughs> promise. <laughs> uh, but also definitely get involved. Uh, he's got a great team and a great game plan. So if you are in Illinois or the surrounding area, make sure to go sign up, get involved, help out this campaign. They're going to need money. They're going to need people. And we want to see a really awesome vote total come out of Illinois. Uh, so fucking get it done guys. Uh, Scott, thanks so much for coming back. This is awesome. Yeah, buddy. Good to talk to you again, man. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Um, and hopefully I'll actually like be out there here pretty soon. Maybe I can do some of that field ops with you guys. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much. October. Convention in October. Yeah. Okay. What, what weekend? Uh, the eighth, the eighth. All right. Eighth and, ninth. Eighth and ninth. I will put that on my calendar right now. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much for watching. We will be back here again tomorrow for a noontime special with the one and only, literally, Spike Cohen. Uh, so come on back for that. And as always, uh, I said it in the beginning. I'll say it again at the end. Go to nugofknowledge.com. Use promo code F4L to get 10% off and help support the channel, the show, and the liberty movement all at once. We'll catch you back here next time. Until then, keep up the fight.